This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. One of my dear friends I'm about to bring to the stage, women's basketball analyst, LaChina Robinson. You know you know who it is because my girl is hitting the stage. Welcome to the stage, LaChina. CJ, it's a reunion, a half of CJ. We go all the way back to our ATL days. Um, for those of you that don't know, I do live in Atlanta, and I have been living in Atlanta for, gosh, probably about 16 years now. Um, and CJ and I both started working with the Atlanta Dream, and she was our host, and she's fantastic. So good to see that she is still involved in women's basketball and helping us with the Final Four. Um, y'all just look so beautiful out here. Thank y'all for coming. This really means a lot. I kept saying to myself, I said, Tarika, if we even have one person come, we are going to kill it. She did. Didn't I tell you that? She absolutely said that. Now, and speaking of Tarika, I want to bring Tarika Foster Brasby on the stage. Come on up, Tarika. This was not in the program, guys. But it is now. (laughs) So, and yes, this is how I yell on the podcast, so I got to be my normal self. I'm going to be loud. So, Tarika is, I say she's our podcast producer, but she's actually more than that. Like, Tarika does so much. She books our guests. Uh, she helps with marketing, with messaging, with everything we do, and I wanted to give you guys a little bit of background on how the podcast got started. So... Tariq and I had this idea simultaneously, but separately, that we wanted to have a women's basketball podcast. And this is true. It started for me with Chanel Gumake, who you guys know, um, plays for the Connecticut Sun. She was like, we need a cool something for like younger, uh, basketball fans, something fresh, get a different perspective. And, Tarika was simultaneously having that conversation. So long story short, they said, let's put Tariq and LaChina together. And we started Around the Rim podcast. So, And it's been a lot of fun. I was talking to my bosses like, we do a podcast for everything but women's basketball. Why are we missing? And Sarita Cobb, who works with ESPNW, was like, there she is. Hey, Sarita. Hey, she was Sarita. like, I have the perfect host for this who's been talking to me about the same thing. So... That's kind of how it started. And it's two years. The podcast is about two years old now. And we've had so many amazing guests. Like, the best part of this is that coaches and players and just pretty much anyone we've we've ever asked to come on the podcast has said yes. And so we're we're definitely grateful for that. We're excited. But this is our first live podcast. We're we're excited about that. (laughs) And um, so... This is going to be an actual podcast. Like, you're going to be able to wake up tomorrow morning, and if you want to re-listen to the show, you go and listen, subscribe, download, comment, hashtag, around the rim. You Um, guys, matter of fact, you don't even have to wait until tomorrow morning. Later in the day today, the podcast is going to be available. So if you guys want to get involved in the show so you can hear yourself on the podcast, we encourage it. Yes. Please, (laughs) please do. Um... And I think that's it, right? Anything we're forgetting? Let's just get right into it. All right. So let's get into the show. I wanted to say a couple of quick things, though. Um, So I told the group a story about my history with the Final Four earlier today. I was dying to go 
to the final four as a player. Like I could not wait till my career was over playing so I could figure out how to get to the final four. Cause my team had zero chance of getting there. <laughs> so I volunteered the first year I graduated, I got online and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to sign up to go to the final four. I'm going to volunteer on the NCAA website. So I did, I went and I signed up and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. It was in Atlanta, and that year, Pat Summit, Tennessee, had made the Final Four, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm volunteering. I'm going to be on the sideline with Pat Summit, handing her her towel and her clipboard. Like, I just I just envisioned getting sweat on me and being all in that environment. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be awesome. When they sent me my assignment and told me what I was going to be doing for the Final Four, I was at the Atlanta airport. Never made it in the building. Never even made it in the building. I was at the airport holding the shuttle signs. You know, like you come to the airport, you see those people holding signs saying, shuttle this way. That was me. So it is almost surreal for me to be here like this because I've always dreamed of having some kind of presence and helping to grow our game because that's what Around the Rim is. We started this podcast to grow women's basketball, to tell the stories of our of our game, to reach out to the fans, um, to give you guys more information about the players and coaches that make this great. So hopefully you're finding that. Now, during this time, feel free to tweet, hashtag around the rim, any comments, questions, those kind of things. And um, I'm so happy to have Tarika here because, to be honest with you guys, like when I normally tape the podcast, it's in my closet. Like at my house, right? Because that's yeah. where the best sound quality is. So I literally go in my room, through the bathroom, in the closet, close all the doors so there's no sound, and I sit on the floor and we do the podcast. So this is like we're big time right now, we're right? Going real big right now. I know, I know. All right, so if you have questions at any time, don't be shy. Tarika's walking around with the microphone. She can come around to you. I might actually point out a couple people. I see we got a lot of celebrities in the building. So, um, you know, we might throw something out here and there. But to get us started, we actually have double guests for our first panel. Um, I think you might have heard from her a moment ago. Really needs no introduction. Please welcome to the stage, Ohio State's finest, greatest, best ever to do it, Katie Smith, head coach of the New York Liberty. Come on up, Katie. Hey, I'll tell you this. The one thing I used to say about Katie Smith now, I have this theory that um, jump shooters don't always like contact. That's just my own thing, right? I always say shooters, for the most part, are pretty soft. I don't want to run into her when she was playing in a dark alley. I don't want to run into Katie Smith. Like, she looked like she can take. I started off as a post player in high school. Is that what it was? Come on now, I'm 5'11". I got two brothers. That's really what it was. So how did you, okay, we're going to get to this in a minute. If y'all didn't hear that, she said she started out as a post player, which would explain how she takes contact. But let me bring up our other guest. Uh, we are excited to have with us another great that has played in the Final Four. Join me in welcoming NC State Wolfpack great Chastity Melvin. Woo! Welcome, Chastity. <laughs> That's how you make with your the, debut. That's exactly how you make your debut right there. I made it, 
grand. Y'all got it on. Oh, they got it on tape. For those that are listening to the podcast, Chastity just fell up the stairs a little bit, but she's good. Look, check the knees. You good? Okay, it's all right. Don't worry about it. We fumble and stumble. We keep going. Um, thank you, ladies, for joining us. Katie is laughing at you. Can you please? No, but we go way back. It. We laugh a lot together. So it. how all my teammates are used how far? To y'all gonna say so? How far do you guys go back? The ABL. ABL is yeah. really where we. Okay. Yeah, right, right here and. The Columbus Just, Quest literally played at the Battelle Center, which is connected to this. Yeah, so... The ABL folded before I was able to beat really? Katie with the Columbus Quest. <laughs> oh, is that yeah. what happened? Okay, yeah. so you might have heard Katie talk about the Columbus Quest. How many of you guys... Rachel, if you know who the Columbus Quest is. ABL. There you go. Okay. All right, Tariqa, we need an answer. We might have a giveaway. What is the Columbus Quest right here in the front? Come on. We need an answer. Serena, we got a giveaway? Columbus Quest. You're on the spot. It's one of the ABL teams, you know. Yeah. I know. That wasn't really hard a question. Give her a giveaway. Okay. We'll give you something anyway. Okay. ABL. <laughs> but um, for those of you that don't know, there was ABL before there was WNBA. So there was professional women's basketball. Now, what are some of your Columbus Quest memories? There was professional women's basketball before the WNBA. Yeah. So the ABL and the WNBA both started right after the 96 Olympics. Right. So unreal, like timing wise, I just got out of school and I'm like, what? I can play basketball. But the ABL, uh, Brian Agler, yep. who is the coach of the LA Sparks right now was our coach. Um, and we had a couple characters on our team, uh, Shannon Johnson, Pee Wee and Valerie Still and Andrea Lloyd from Texas, and uh, we had like a hodgepodge of players, but we were some we were some tough ladies that were real versatile and um, won a couple championships. So yeah, but now it was it was a blast playing. We went to Seattle, Portland, Richmond. Um, it was just it was such great basketball, and then we had a great time as as teammates, kind of staying together and living together all year. So so in. That's a misunderstanding on my part. I thought the ABL started before the WNBA. Same time. So the half the Olympians on the 96 team basically played in the ABL. So you mm-hmm. had Teresa Edwards, Don Staley, um, Jennifer Azy, Katie Stedding, and then Lisa Les- Nikki McCray was on our, uh, on our team. Um, but then you had like Lobo, Swoops, and, uh, Leslie were on the WNBA. So we started during a regular basketball year and then they started in that summer. So they uh-huh. both were going on at the same time but obviously ours folded after two and a half years so yeah gotcha so we had a choice at that point initially okay and you were transitioning chastity but you had had some final four experience talk about just what what does this bring out for you in terms of memories of that time well uh, when i reached the final four just for me and all my teammates it was like the swag room that was what i remember most the like, swag room y'all didn't call it the swag room though yeah we didn't call it that back yeah, then it wasn't. yeah all my teammates felt like it was christmas style like this is free this is all for us so no but really just i guess the police ride going through town on the bus and just you know all the fan admiration it was just great and obviously we beat uh, odu Tisha oh, and them that oh, year. Oh, they beat we, ODU. Yeah, we were in eight seed. Marion Johnny somewhere um, here. And Tisha Pinchero. Yeah, my claim to fame is we beat UConn. So wait, yeah. wait, wait, we wait. We UConn in '98. So, so wait a minute. Yeah, I, knew, I gotta put it out there. You I know what I'm saying? I knew you put 37 points on La Tech. Yeah, I put but I didn't know you had beat Connecticut. Now, who else in here beat Connecticut? Raise your hand. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Marion Jotty said, okay, Tisha, you weren't on the team with her when they beat Connecticut? Oh, dang. That's a, oh, you too? Where'd you beat Connecticut? Where you at, Tarika? I don't recognize. Hold on, who is this? Oh, Erica White. That's Erica That's right. White. Okay. 
Welcome. All right. So you do have. Okay. That, we'll we'll give you all of that. But I didn't trip when we played UConn. <laughs> I, I was I was very agile, smooth, and athletic on the floor. So yeah, I had no problems in that game. Now, did you play with Summer Herb? Yes, or, play with Herb. Okay. Y'all yes. remember Summer Herb? See, I played against Summer Herb, and Herb, to be honest with you guys, if you've never seen her, um, she's a big girl, right? Dominant post player. She could use left, right hand. I mean, she was just an amazing player. When I defended Herb, she had no idea I was out there. No idea. I'd be just behind her trying to get a little, you know, and I'm like, do you even know? Um, okay, just turn, hook shot. I think she hung 40 on us one time, but we're going we gonna to move past that. Um, so, ladies, I, I want to ask you this. We know the four teams that are here. Both of you watch a lot of basketball. Uh, who impresses you from a team standpoint? Obviously, UConn with all the Final Fours, the way they get back here. But who is it that has stood out to you the most and why? It's, it's hard to say for me because I... Uh, Always impressed with the way UConn goes about their business, no matter who they're playing. Like, they really do, they respect the game and they respect what they do. I'm impressed by Notre Dame losing three, four players to ACLs and they are back in the Final Four, which is really hard to do and how Muffet has managed that situation and kept them going. You know, Mississippi State is talented and Louisville is talented, but I probably... Those two are probably the most impressive in the sense of the consistency in which UConn does it. Because it's really not that easy to get here that every year. And then I think Notre Dame, I thought Muffet, exceptional job with everything that happened to her uh, throughout her players just dropping like flies throughout the year. Chas? As Katie said, I mean, UConn is always impressive, you know. I, but I got to roll with the ACC schools, <laughs> Louisville, Notre Dame. I mean, what Notre Dame's done. and co- yeah. Some people may say you're going with the Big East schools, but I'm not going to. Oh. So we're not going to talk about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I am old school when we just had eight ACC schools. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yes. I'm really old school, you know what I mean? But, yeah, I got to uh, give them props, just what she's done with the short bench and just how they persevered. And, well, they dominated the ACC. So, And Mississippi State, since they put NC State out, uh, I like big girls, so uh, Tierra McCowns has impressed me. I watch all the big girls, so I'm I'm interested to see what she does. And obviously Louisville, they have their up-tempo style game. Don't really have a big post player they drop it into all the time, but they've impressed me. So it's going to be a really interesting matchup between those two. Yeah, uh, me and Rebecca Lobo always get a lot of slack because we like to talk about the post players, but so what? Love to the post players. And speaking of post players, uh oh, guards win championships. You better but have some way, guards. But the way, bigs can't get but the ball. Way. They can't get the ball without the guards. So you better. Have I can a attest to that. Uh, Katie Smith has won me a championship. I, but wait, and I we, will wait, say this: wait, uh, wait. Minnesota's winning with uh, post play in uh, WNBA. Uh, oh, I, I'm just saying, Big Steel. Nobody better find it. Stop the phone. Wait a minute, Marie Gulich. Oregon State, y'all saw her dominate. I mean, we've been talking about big girls a lot in this. Y'all didn't see Jessica Shepard down there giving them the... But, Tariqa, I was just surprised that you chimed in because you said I can attest to that. You didn't play. I, first off, I did play. I just oh, didn't did. play in college. And I was well, – I did. did. See, she tried to call me like out. I knew she played. No, I knew she played. That's I know. one. And I two, I was a Detroit – I'm from Detroit, so I was a Detroit Shock fan. So I already okay, had my moment where So you I know about Katie, the post players. I, okay. Tweety. <laughs> EP, where we going? Wait a minute, what was that, Chastity? I 
I said she's Detroit shot, so she knows about the post players. Yes, they do. They do. I do, they I do. Should. I do she know about post players. She should. But going back to that, you said you started off in the post. So what? what? Versatile. You see, these posts aren't just post players anymore. That's true. Shooting a three, putting it on the floor. I was born too early. Yes, you, you were. You could I tried to game. dribble. I tried to get out to the wing. Now it's it's fun to see how the game's evolved and how post players really do. They can bring it out and shoot the three ball, and that's really what it's become. If you're only stuck, I mean, there's certain players that can just do that, but you better have a lot more to your game. So it's been a lot of fun to see how they've uh, really changed. Now, we talked about teams, but what players, and it doesn't have to be anybody in the Final Four, but what college players have you watched and just been like, wow, like she can get buckets or she's a great defender or like who has stood out to you guys? I'll go first. So first, I gotta uh, say Ch- um, Chelsea Nelson. Nelson at NC we, State. We got a homer on stage. I'm just telling y'all right now. Everything comes back to the ACC and NC State. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, my girls—they're getting overlooked. So I gotta put them out there just in case. Chelsea Nelson is amazing. I'm yeah, with you. you know she's really improved. And what people don't understand about Chelsea Nelson and, and Akila Mays is they just played their first year a lot of minutes in their yeah. senior season. So it's not like they've been playing since their freshman year and really being able to get starter minutes and evolve. So what they've done this year and to be able to get to the Sweet 16, you know, if teams are looking overseas or in the pros, they can uh, they can really score the basketball and they have a lot of talent that's been untapped. So yeah. they really impressed me. I, they really shocked me because ACC had them at 10th. In the ACC, yeah. finished tenth in the ACC. Yeah, Westmore could easily be it. Have been the ACC Coach of the Year. He yeah. could be National Coach of the Year. I mean, he lost four of his five starters, and um, wow, what a run they had! And Chastity is being modest. She actually worked out with Akila Mays in the off season, which I think helped her a lot with her oh, confidence. Yeah. So. She's still giving back to the game. We see you. We see you. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about life transition. So, Katie, I mean, we're so happy for you. Head coach of the New York Liberty. Let's let's hear it. It's it's the honeymoon. It's the honeymoon. I have not won or lost any games. This is the best it will ever get. (laughs) So I'm I'm, I'm relishing in this month. Until May 20th, because this is, uh, no, it's not going to get any better than this. But I'm excited. I am, I am pumped about so, it. So, again, now she's being modest. Because I cover the WNBA, I've seen her live in action in practice, do scouting. Like, she is outstanding. And I knew just watching her that it wouldn't be long. But what made you decide that coaching was what you wanted to do when you were done playing? I don't, I don't really think I decided. And that's my, you know, the whole transition out of playing to another career is, is actually very, very hard. And I thought I was going to be a dentist early. That passed me by. And then I went and got my master's in dietetics because I was like, I don't really want to do the same thing I've been doing. Um, dietetics? Yeah, but okay. I haven't figured out how to use it. I need to practice what I preach. Send me that um, Exactly. Too. No, that. I need I need it. Um, but my, honestly, I love the game. It ended up just being like, oh, all right, I'll, I'll try it. Um and I, I absolutely love being around it. I love trying to figure out how to put people in places that they can succeed. And I do enjoy this, the day-to-day relationships of getting to know them and, and seeing them, the highs and the lows, and just trying to try to help them along to have a, 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 a journey that they're proud of and happy for. So it kind of found me in a way, because uh, I really was like, nah, I don't want to coach, but I'm all in now, so I uh, I want to see where it goes. <laughs> we love it, and we're so, so happy for you. We're going to get back to the New York Liberty in a second. Now, 
Chastity, you are an author. You've written a book. You are a host of your own talk radio sports show. You work with the KL Cancer Fund. Um, what has the transition been like for you? And what have you learned about yourself? Uh, or what did you learn in basketball that's helping you and what you're doing now? Uh, well, basketball taught me everything about the transition from playing. Like Katie said, it was super difficult. Um, it was just challenging because everything was so different. As a player, you can show what you can do on the court. And in transition and trying to get in the corporate world or just get a job, you got to show what you've done on paper. And I played every year, so all I can put is where I play. And so the experience they want, if I wanted to get in television or if I wanted to get become a coach, they're like, you play, but you don't have coaching experience, whatever that means. Uh, but uh, Yeah, that's so, always the odd one to me. Uh, you don't have coaching experience. Yeah, I'm I didn't like, have coaching experience. So but it was, they just it was played for 20 years straight. <laughs> Pro, international, like, okay. I'm not saying that that's – trust me. I, I've worked seven years with a basketball program, a collegiate program, so there's much more to it than that. In fact, I would say that um, college basketball for a head coach seems like – more of all the other stuff than it is basketball, right? Agreed. It's the run raising, it's the marketing, it's the planning. You got to manage people. There's so many other things that go into it. So I don't mean to slight it, but I do think that what you guys have done in your playing career should count for something. So yeah, um, but it's helped a lot. And anyways, everything is kind of surreal because when I retired, I had planned on going back and coaching under Coach Al, but she passed away in '09, and then I ended up at her nonprofit, the KL Cancer Camp. Fun and so now I've gotten experience in the other stuff, the administrative side, the fundraising side, and I've been really uncomfortable in my first year. But everybody was trying to tell me, Chas, you can't get it in six months. Now this is I'm finishing up my second year, and now I get it. The conference calls, the emails, the paper trail, grown up, um, you know, stuff. the grown up stuff. Like you're sending me an email, we're right next door. You can just tell me, no, Chas, it's for the paper trail. Make sure you got it and copy so and so. So, right. you know, I'm learning all the administrative side, and so that'll help eventually if I get into coaching someday and talking to, you know, corporates, getting sponsorships, working with donors, developing relationships. So I'm doing all the uncomfortable work, and uh, it's been a challenge, but basketball taught me how to just move to the next play. <laughs> well, we all owe a debt of gratitude to Kay Yow. I mean, what she meant to the game. I know me personally, she was so inspirational to my life. Um, you know, just a woman of faith and someone who was so humble and left an impact on so many people. So we're happy for the work you're doing. And we're going to ask you a little bit about that in a moment and how we can help. Questions. I want to take questions from the crowd. Do we have a question for Chastity or Katie? Where you at? Don't be shy. Questions. All right. We got a couple hands up. Tarika. I'm on it. Y'all didn't know that I, sometimes I refer to Tarika, before you ask your question, sometimes I refer to Tarika as Kiki Shepard. How many of y'all know who Kiki Shepard is? You used to watch Showtime with the Apollo? That's Kiki. Okay. Uh, stand up. We want to see you. What's your name? What's your question? Where are you from? My name's Dean. I'm originally from Connecticut. I live in Tampa now. So it's a Liberty question. Okay. The, is the guard management and uh, Mr. Dolan they pretty serious about winning for the Liberty? Yeah, I mean, we, we have the support, and they've always given us the resources uh, to be able to, you know, hire our staff. We have a great player development person and Teresa Witherspoon, a former player. Um, but yes, we have all the resources we need to, to have success in New York and we have an amazing fan base. Um, so yeah, we, we've, we've been lucky that we've had that support uh, throughout the years. Take another question, Tarika. All right. 
Megan, uh, since we're giving. Whoa, wait, wait, what's your name? Where you from? Okay. Shout out your hood now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Erica from New York. Uh, but okay. This is a North Carolina question because I went to Elon, where Kay Yao came from, uh, and I know that there is a lot of history in North Carolina, in particular for women's basketball. So, can you just talk about, you know, playing there and then having a a great coach in Kay Yao and her sisters being there? What, how that impacted your game and now what you do now? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, <clears throat> Coach Yao and Coach Hatchell both recruited me. Uh, early on, I was this naive country girl. I'm from a small town in North Carolina. So Coach Al and Coach Hatchell really paved the way for women's basketball in North Carolina. I don't know how many women I meet, you know, at corporate in Raleigh-Durham that said I was a KL camper. So, you know, even though they didn't play basketball in college, they went to Coach Al's camps. They went to Coach Hatchell's camps. They were very instrumental as being pioneers. A lot of people don't know Coach Al coached every sport at NC State when she first started. Volleyball, track, softball. And she was a rock star, so very instrumental, and so it's been great being a part of just learning her history now working at the fund. So it's been great. All right, we have one more. Oh, very special question. Uh Uh-oh, look at this little one. Wow. My name's Camilla. I'm from New York. Hey, Camilla. Oh, she can ball, too. Don't, don't. This one right here. She's cute. Thank you. What does it feel like to be a head coach? (laughs) <laughs> very good question, Camilla. It's um, I, it is very exciting to uh, have that responsibility to lead these ladies and give them um, the tools to succeed and create an environment that they can have fun and work hard. Um, but there, there are some anxious moments, some nervous moments where you you want to do such a good job. That you, you, you worry about that you won't and that you make mistakes and you'll do things. So there's a lot of excitement and, um, but there's also some like, uh, worry, you know, I worry a little bit that, uh, I'll do the right things all the time. Um, uh, but I think that's, you know, I'm trying to balance that, but I'm pumped. I'm pumped to, to coach the Liberty and have you come to our games. You've been doing the right thing for a long time. We're not worried about that, yeah, are just, we, y'all? Just do okay. what you did coaching me on the floor as a player. Wait, wait, wait. wait. And I might need to tone it down a little. You Can know. we go back to Camilla real quick? Now, how old did you say you are? Six. I'm seven. You're seven. Okay. Do you play basketball? Yes. Oh, yes. Who's your favorite player? On the Liberty. Any team. We're going to give you freedom. She doesn't have, don't, she won't look. No, stand. Who's your favorite player? Tina Charles. Yep. Tina that's, Charles. That's a, that's a solid pick. We that's a very Tina solid Charles. pick. Represent the Huskies. Way to go with the post okay. player. <laughs> it's a post player. All right. Make sure she gets a little swag. Okay, good. We take care of her. All right. I think we have another question from the audience. We like the questions. Audience engagement. Come on. What you got? Okay. I'm Liz Keener from Cincinnati, but I'm a huge Gamecock fan. So- Woo! Ooh, I'm the only one in here. Okay, that's fine. It's okay. I represent. <laughs> Who is going to be the number one WNBA draft pick? I just need Whoa. to hear it. I need to hear it. I do believe it will be Asia Wilson unless Woo-hoo! Bill Lambeer throws out a a wrench in this thing. But, no, it'll be, it'll be Asia. She is talented. Yeah. And I do think there's an upside to her yeah. even. There's more to her that – you can get out oh, of yeah, her. Definitely. So it's, uh, she's a, she's, I get nightmares thinking about. <laughs> yeah. No, she's awesome on and off the court. And a great role model for right. young women. And you live in Columbia? 
No, we live in Cincinnati, but our twins go to oh, school you said down that. at USC. Oh, okay. So, so did- we, we just started becoming great fans when Don Staley took Bojangles to one of our son's dorms rooms before oh, yeah, the Tennessee game. I remember seeing game. the video. She did. And oh. we, had, we were big followers, and she went into my son's dorm, and we loved them from that point forward. That's wow. Good. That's awesome. So yeah. were you planning to come to the Final Four before you knew who was going to be here? Like, Regardless, because we love women's basketball. That's, that's awesome. awesome. All that's right. Awesome. Yes. And that's going to lead me to my last question for you ladies. Um <laughs> Well, first of all, let me throw out one trivia question because I had this in my back pocket. All right, we're going to give something away to the person in the crowd that knows the name of Katie Smith's dog. First hand I saw right in the back. Logan! We love Logan. We had to show Logan some love. Yes. Hey, LaChina is in love with my dog. She met him last year. He's he's a 14-year-old golden doodle, and he's amazing. He's so cute. I have a poodle ready to. You got a poodle? I need to get a dog. Okay. All right. So my last question for you, because this is what we all want to do. We want to grow the game. If it's a fan listening, if it's someone that's huh, starting to get into women's basketball, either in the space in which you work or whatever advice you would give, how can we continue to grow the game? Support it. I, I do believe, like, there's a ton of people who played high school basketball, college, but we have to continue to be fans of the game that we played. And I, I think we, we have to show up when there's events um, and go to games and then bring people along. But I do think that the support of actually putting our butts in the seat and backing up uh, events that are put on and just like this is the Final Four, like we need to show up for those to make sure that people know that this is valuable and there's um, it matters. It matters every day. Chastity? Um, like Katie said, just everyone should just support the league more, support college basketball. But I just want to say something to the younger players out there. They got to start playing harder and playing with more passion because that's going to help the women's game a lot. I think just like in the corporate world, like a lot of people want to say, you know, women are here. We're finally getting those top jobs. And so in basketball, I think the ladies are coming in like we've arrived. And, you know, there's still a long way to go, a long ways to go in women's basketball. So these youth, they have to get more passionate about it. I don't like when I see them playing and they're not really going hard or anything like that. So, or just like, I'm here, I'm going to make it to the league. You know, it's not guaranteed. It's really, really challenging. It's really, really tough to be a professional athlete. So I want them to continue to work hard and then really improve their talent. And that's going to make the game grow even more. And that's a great point because these are the ladies that laid the foundation. These are the women who, you know, when the WBA was just getting started, when women's basketball was just getting recognition, it was their sweat equity and others that are in the crowd that helped to give us what we have now. They were giving us exciting moments in the Final Four in the 90s that have helped to build all this. So we want to thank you guys. Give a hand to Katie and Chastity. One last thing for you. What is the must- do or must attend things in Columbus outside of the games, obviously. Um, oh, there's a lot of good places to eat. <laughs> the Kosai is awesome. It's an interactive science uh, place right across uh, the river. Okay. Um, go check out Ohio State, just the campus. I mean, if you want, but the high street, the German village short north is just wander. It's pretty, pretty good spots just to, to hang out. So, Your house? 
Yeah, you come, you come to my house from over across with, town. With Logan. With Logan. <laughs> you want to meet Logan? Who's going to win? Happen. Who's going to win it all? I picked Mississippi State earlier, so I think Oh, uh, who we got? I'm not going against UConn this year. I said they'd lose last year. They're going to get – they're going. They're motivated. They're going to get it back this year. See how she went from ACC to UConn? You can't trust her. You can't hey, trust her. I, I got to go with the pick. <laughs> Chastity and Katie, give them a hand, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks for – hey, LaChina, you you're a rock star. Thanks for having us. Oh, yeah. You know, we got to do – we got to do our now, thing. Help Appreciate you, ladies. Down the steps. Oh, gosh. Somebody help. Help Chastity, please. We need – and we might need a first aid somewhere around here just in case. All right, so we're going to transition into our next guest. You all know her name. She is now number two on the career all-time scoring list in NCAA women's basketball history. Please join me in welcoming Ohio State's own Kelsey Mitchell to the stage. Yes. You see how she took her time coming up yes. the stairs, right? She wasn't going to okay. do that. Like she was lifting those feet all the way up. Like, let me get. <laughs> Welcome. How you doing? Now, the last time that Kelsey and I actually sat across from each other in this way, um, she came on the podcast, and it was for our Women's Media Day. Yeah. And we sat there. We had a great time. Definitely. First and foremost, I just want to tell you guys, we're both left-handed. <laughs> which is a big deal to us. No one else might care, but we have this little, you know, bond. Yeah, we have a connection. So um, I guess my first question is my career, my college career came to an end, and I literally, like my teammates will tell you, it was one of the most embarrassing moments that I look back on it, but I was in the locker room, like, sobbing. Like, yeah. like I had just lost somebody in my family. Like, it, I could not be, I was just out of my mind. Um what was your reaction immediately? I kind of saw it on television, but what what were those next few hours or next day like for you? I'm uh, sorry, by the way. No, no, that's a great question. Um, it was kind of a, like, it was kind of like it's over type of moment. And for me, like, I love the game, and I'm pretty sure that everyone who plays it at high, like a high athlete, at high elite level knows, like, how it feels. And to know that you played the way you played, yeah, but the way in which you lost – it's one of those things that you kind of can't take back because it's your last year. Um, so for me, the next three or four days after we lost, I was kind of like down in the dumps. Um, not just about myself, but for our team and our program, um, our fans that came out and supported us and the way we went out. So, Well, she has nothing to hang her head about, right? How many great moments did she give us <laughs> watching her play? Coming down with that left hand, walk up. Okay, so... <laughs> One of the best stories that, you know, you and I talked about is about how you started playing basketball and your upbringing. Because, yeah. Kelsey, one thing Kelsey always says is that she's just proud of where she came from. So yeah. talk about your, your upbringing, growing up, and, and kind of how you got into it. Uh, well, I started playing basketball at the age of four. And um, I played with boys, um, my brothers. My dad was the coach. I was the only little girl running around with, like, braids and twist in my head with guys so it was kind of weird but uh I kind of like took that and made that my my comfortable my comfortable zone and I'm growing up um we're a basketball family my mom went to Eastern Kentucky my dad went to Eastern Kentucky he played football my mom played basketball and so uh, we just always been a sport family uh, I grew up going through it with my brothers and they kind of put me through the trenches so every time I played basketball I just enjoyed every moment I could um 
And as I grew and go into the going into the recruiting process, I kind of just want to pick somewhere and be close and be around family. And that's just where I came about. I think we had this conversation before, and you guys correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. We were trying to figure out who else had come from your hometown, right. like women. We got what D Davis. Yeah, that's the only one I can think of. Yeah, so we came up with D Davis. Much love to D. I know she's around here doing some different things, but so who did you look up to then? If there weren't other girls or, or women around you doing it at a high level? Uh, I wasn't familiar with the girl side of things too much. So the people I looked up to were, um, my dad was an inner city high school coach. And with that being said, I mean, they had went through a lot to even play the game at a high school level. So I kind of played through those guys growing up. Um, a lot of them didn't get a chance to accomplish a lot of stuff that they wanted to in regards to going to school, um, playing at the pro level. So... Um, I just try to play through them, um, live through those guys, and um, kind of like know that I had their back and they had my back, and we was going to play for each other. Yeah. A lot of the women that we talk to who play basketball at any level now who have really at college or beyond um, that were elite say they played against guys. And keep in mind that there was one time – and this may have been your situation, that there weren't any girls' teams to play on. Right, so right. if you're three or four or five years old and you're looking for other girls to play for, it just wasn't – there wasn't an opportunity or play with. There wasn't an opportunity there. And so uh, – but it made you tough, right? Yeah, definitely. Kind of definitely. built your game to where it is now. So when you look at your experience at Ohio State, um, what will you take with you? Like, is there a memory or a moment – I mean, because we all know you put the ball in the hole, but was there anything that you say would be most memorable to you from your experience? Uh, I would say the most memorable for me is uh, my freshman year and getting to go to the Big Ten tournament and uh, playing against Maryland. Um, that moment speaks, sticks with me primarily because no one knew who I was. Nobody knew who our team was. Uh, we were looked down upon a lot. And to get that far in the, in the tournament, Big Ten tournament, play against a team like Maryland was unbelievable. And, um, and just being some of the people that left our program and went other places, um, some of the moments that I have with those guys, people like Lisa Blair, um, she's from New York. And um, just moments you'll never forget, um, kind of off the court, but specifically that Maryland game and it being able to make the tournament and make a run. Any Maryland fans in the building? <laughs> oh, look, y'all strong right here in the front. I'm glad you didn't say anything crazy because, oh, wait, that's right. We got Laura in the building. National champion from the Maryland Terrapins. Respect. Okay. Um, so looking at where you are now, what are you doing right now? Like, we're always curious, you know, like their careers end and you're like, okay, we know they're going to get drafted, but what are they doing now? Are they on vacation? Are you like, like chilling? Are you working out? Are you like, what are, what are you doing right now? Uh, I'm just kind of like, I want to, I definitely, uh, if I'm on track to graduate, so I take school very serious. On track to graduate. Uh, Wait, yeah, what's that degree in? Uh, sport industry major and a uh, human development family science uh, minor. So okay. I, really, I take school very serious. Um, it's important to me. So just sticking to the game plan in regards to like any other student going to school, um, getting in the gym as much as possible. I mean, I think I think that's a given for anybody that, that wants to play at a high level. Um, and just kind of spending time with family. Um, the man, the more important. Important to think to me is family, and uh, so I want. I think that's important to anybody that knows people like your mom and dad in your corner. So I just kind of been having fun, living life as best as possible, and just living. So since 
you can look back kind of on your career and some of the memories. Who was the person that maybe they gave you a shout out or was like, she got game that you will always remember? Other than me, you know. <laughs> if, you, if you take me out of the equation. Uh, I was really shocked and surprised. I think it was my sophomore year. Um, Skylar Diggins had tweeted um, something about me and my former teammate, Amherst Austin. And um, I didn't know nothing about it. And um, one of my teammates, Alexa Hart, told me. I'm like, what are you talking about? She did what? And so um, we went to go look at it, and I was just, like, all over the place. Like, oh, my God, this is crazy. <laughs> and um, another one is uh, a UNC guard, last name Marshall, light-skinned guy. Oh, is it Kendall? Yeah, I, I don't know. Kendall, Kendall Marshall? Marshall, yeah. He yeah, reached out to me okay. and told me congratulations um, throughout the course of my career. So it's just been a lot a lot of fun knowing people can, like, watch and um, watch the game, the women's game in general, and um, give us a shout-out. Shout out to Skylar Diggins, another lefty. Um, that's all we do is shout out each other. Let's take a question from the audience for Kelsey. Got a question. We have a question. Yes. <laughs> we know that you're going to go in the first round of the draft. So we'll just put that out there. Does it matter to you who you play for? Is it- Coming from your position, you just, are you like, well, I would really like to play for this coach because he likes, you know, he likes the kind of game that I like to play, mm-hmm. or I don't want to go to Seattle because it's cold, or <laughs> you know, is there? Does it matter to you where you where you get drafted and where you go? Uh, honestly, ma'am, no, it doesn't. Um, it it doesn't matter where I go. Um, I'm grateful for any moment that comes my way. Anybody that sees me and think I can help their program slash team. Um, I'm, all, I'm definitely happy to go. Um, I just want to be able to play the game as much as possible. So, so it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter where you go in the draft either. You got a lucky number you might want to. Do you want to? Are you trying to? Are you like hoping for that number one spot or what? Is that a uh, dream? No, I haven't went to my mind either. No, you hadn't thought about it. Uh, no. Okay. Um, no, I wanted to ask one more question before we move on. This, this stand up for me, UConn. Because I didn't get your name and where you're from. Oh, wait a minute. We need the microphone so we can hear you. My name's Joanna. I'm from Burlington, Connecticut. You're from Burlington, Connecticut. Now, how many um, Final Fours have you been to? 17. 17 Final Fours? Okay. All right. Another question for Kelsey. Another question. Yes. Sorry. Do you see yourself playing overseas? Uh, Definitely. Uh, I've never like truly been over there longer than two weeks um besides for the usa but um like i said any opportunity that comes my way i'm willing to take it so with that being said yes next question i actually have a question from twitter for kelsey okay we got a question from twitter what we got yes, from this, the twitter quest- world. this question from twitter is from at ava 22 and at ava 22 wants to know which one of your teammates do you see taking your place once you leave oh that's a good uh, question which one of your teammates do you see taking your place when you leave okay because y'all graduated a lot i know let's just be let's just put this out there ava 22 she's one of one so they'll but she can be two of two okay all right uh, so we bring in four or five people. Um, I think our coach staff did a good job of bringing the right people in. Um, I think people like Sierra Calhoun, um, that make our, pro- help, will help our, help our program and make it what it is. Um, young pups like Jensen Coretti and, um, Chelsea Mitchell can potentially come in and make it what it is. But just the diversity of our team hopefully could take over and keep it pushing. I like it. 
Question in the back. Where are you from? Hi, my name is Matt. I'm from Alaska. Alaska? Yep. Like Ruthie Hebert, Alaska? Oh, yeah, Ruthie Hebert Fairbanks. Yeah, hey, Oregon. I love me some Ruthie Hebert yep. now. Y'all, hey, y'all saw her getting busy for Oregon. Okay, what you yes. got? Uh, I wonder, when you get to the league, who are some of the players that you might like to play with? And how do you see you enhancing their game and them enhancing your game? Oh, uh, well, um, like I said, I got a chance to be a part of the USA uh, national team poll and um, play with some of those guys and go through a team camp with them um, before school started. And um, it was different. And um, so I can't necessarily tell you who I would want to play against or be on a team with, but I will say I got a, I got a taste of it uh, early. So um, I learned a lot from those guys, and um, I'm just looking forward to whatever. Uh, whoever I play or whoever I play with or against. So Now, I got to put you on the spot just a little bit here before we take our next question. Um, so, there are four teams left. Yeah. You know these players pretty well. You know, you've played with some of the players. You've played against some of them. Um, who, in your opinion, is the biggest threat out of the four teams? Player, player-wise. Well, I mean... Where do you start? They got a lot of great players just in four teams. Um, Arike is amazing. Um, Killer Instinct. Um, Asia Durr is amazing. Killer Instinct. And then some. Um, that was actually one of the people I hung out with at USA. So, um, then you got people like, that's athletic crazy, like Gabby Williams. And you got, uh, killer shooters like Katie Lou. And, um, I got a chance to play with those guys and hang out with them too. So, I mean, I can't necessarily put up a name on it, but I will say it's going to be a competitive spirit. I know they're going to play at a high level, so good luck to them. It seems like she went straight to the people that have handles. Like, she was like, Arike. You should, and her shoulders started moving when she said Arike. She was like, you know, Arike and uh, Asia Durr. Alright, we're going to take another question. Yes. Hi. Where are you from? I'm from Cleveland. What's your name? Cindy. Cindy? Hey, Cindy. How are you? What's your question? I have, uh, it's actually a two-part question. Kelsey, if you were coming down the court and you looked down in the key and you saw the China, what move would you use to get around her? And can you demonstrate? Uh, no, I can't wave demonstrate. It, wave it, wave it, I mean, <laughs> I mean, she said post up, basically. I, mean, I, I, up. Did, I did block a couple shots, so what I you know, gonna that's do? What I, you... I, I had to think about that one. She too big. <laughs> Tall, don't say big. I'm a little, I'm a little sensitive so, about my weight right now. So you so. stop? Are you saying, Kelsey? Okay. Are you saying you'd stop at the three and just burn her there? Uh, it's gonna take some thinking. I can't put an answer on that one right now. She, she, she tall. Pop and stop. I think right? you can take her, Kelsey. I think you can take See, her. See, you ain't never on my side. I'm okay, we'll take one more question for Kelsey from the audience. Anybody? We have a giveaway. So if it's a good question. I just wanted to know. Oh, who- we need to know who you are first. Stand up, girl. <laughs> Come on, stand up. We like to see your face. We need you to get some prime time. Tell um, us your name and where you're from. So my name is Sandra Brogdon, and I'm from here at Columbus, Ohio. Okay. So my question is to, I, I guess my question is, who is your role model? I work with a lot of young girls mm-hmm. and just wanting to know who do you look up to in the uh, Well, to start, um, my circle is pretty small. Um I got close friends and people that's really important to me, and it don't have to be a big circle. So I will, my role model is my grandmother. Um, she's real old school, but 
she comes from a place where she came from struggle and knows what it's like to embrace good things that come your way, um, education, family, etc. So my grandmother is my role model, and she's my role model because she just lives in a way that's the happiest. Um, she values education. She takes it very serious, and that's how she groomed us, and that's what we grew up on. So it's all kind of like knowing who the right people is in your corner, and um, she's one of those people. All right. And thank you for the work that you're doing with young girls. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. A hand for Kelsey Mitchell, ladies thank and gentlemen. You. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, one more, more thing. Columbus, what should we eat? What should we be doing here? Uh, the Short North has a lot of good food. It's this place on um, in the Short North called The Milk. I highly recommend it. It's amazing. All right. Y'all heard it there. Kelsey Mitchell, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. I want to bring up two of my favorite WNBA players. If the other one's still in the building, Rusha, where you at? Because you're about to come up here too. First and foremost, please join me in welcoming the best passer I've ever seen in women's basketball. None other than ODU great Tisha Pinachero. Welcome, Tisha. And we're also going to welcome to the stage... A new member of the Las Vegas Aces staff, that's right, she will be working with player development, one of the most impressive women in the community, giving back, um, developing young women. She went to Furman, but played in WNBA. You probably remember her best from her days at Cleveland. Join me in welcoming Rusha Brown. Ladies, ladies, ladies. Hi. So good to have you here. Thanks for having us. Thank Thank you for joining me. So... Because we're talking college basketball right now, let's off the top. What was your best college memory? The best and the worst was uh, actually 1997 here in Ohio in Cincinnati going, making it to the Final Four. And the worst was losing to Tennessee in the final. So a little bit of mixed emotions coming back to Ohio 21 years after. But, um, you know, making the Final Four is definitely not an easy task. Uh, coming from Old Dominion, we, uh, I think we went against all odds and we made it. Stanford was the, actually the, the team that was the, the favorite to win and we beat them in the semifinals and then we had to play Tennessee when they had Shamiko Holtzclaw and everything and we ended up losing that game. That's all you had to say was they had Shamiko Holtzclaw. Everybody <laughs> yeah. like, oh, <laughs> wah, wah. sorry about that. Um, how about you, Rusha? And you know, I, I went to a small school, so I never made the tournament. But in playing my freshman year, we played in a tournament at Georgia Tech. And of course, we were not predicted to do anything, and we won that tournament and beat them. So it gave us the motivation to play really well for the rest of that season, and even throughout my career. So playing against a bigger, a bigger team on the grand stage. And that's a great point. You know, Rusha was just saying that she went to a smaller school. And Rusha, I'm just curious. I mean... In both of you, I mean, you went to a women's basketball powerhouse, so it's a little different. But how did you make it from Furman to the WNBA? Like, some people say you got to go to a big school or you got to, like, what do you think was unique about your journey? Because there's a lot of young women who may not be able to make it to Stanford or Connecticut or those teams. But um, how can they still live their dream of playing professional basketball? You know, initially when I was in high school, I was recruited by all the big schools. But because my father had passed away, I wanted to stay home close to my mom. And I committed verbally to North Carolina. And every time I see Sylvia and, and Charlotte, it was like, we were supposed to play together. But um, so I chose Furman because it was close to home. But still, there have been women that have made some great steps. And I think it really is about being locked in, making sure you're doing your best. And when you get a chance to compete against the best, like even in the summers when I was living in Atlanta, 
you know what happens at run and shoot. So I always made a point to continue to get better by playing against the best. I love that because, and we'll talk to Kurt Miller in a moment, but, you know, we talk a lot about the mid-majors and, I mean, look at what Buffalo did, Central Michigan. Like, yes. that's where we see there being more parity in women's mm-hmm. basketball. There's teams like, oh, wow, they have a great team. I had never heard of them. I mean, that's what you want, right? Yeah. So speaking of that parity, um, Mississippi State is an interesting team. And I know I can ask them anything because let me tell you this. These women are entrenched in, in women's basketball. Like, I was at the finals last year. I'm working, right? It's the Minnesota Lynx, obviously, against the L.A. Sparks. Y'all been watching that? The the whole, oh, yeah, look, give us a thumbs, thumbs up. That rivalry has been amazing. These two, packed house, are, like, in there, right? No team affiliations necessarily, you know, maybe behind the scenes. But so they love it. But Mississippi State is a team that, you look at what Vic Schaefer has done, which is not easy. Like, Louisville's been to Final Fours. Notre Dame has been to Final Fours. UConn, obviously, has been in Final Fours. What is it about the way Mississippi State plays or what you've seen from their team that stands out to you in terms of how they have done this? I think, first of all, the, they're a little bit different format. They, they play four out, one in. They have a big center uh, piece that dominates defensively and offensively. That is six, seven, super strong. So she's just hard to move. And then you have a four that has a Vivians that's skilled and can shoot with deep range. So it's a little different format. And uh, I think they have a lot of grit, just like him. I mean, I, I was watching the story on him the other day about his son and everything that they've been through. So they play with a lot of heart and emotion and grit. You know, and um, and sometimes that's something that you can teach. And at this time of the year, this is that sometimes what counts most. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen that story, it's incredible. There are a lot of great stories on ESPN.com and ESPNW.com. We're very grateful for our writers and everyone. But Vic Schaefer's son had a an unfortunate accident and um, almost lost his life. And it just was, you know, one of those tear jerkers where he did end up living. But it was quite a journey uh, for Vic and his family. So you could draw inspiration from it. And I think TP took my answer, just the grit, the way that they play, they're fearless. And no matter who they play against, they still think they have a chance. And I think with their um, competing and beating UConn last year, it took them up another notch and just believing in themselves. They ran through the SEC. You know, they got to the tournament and lost, but they had an incredible season just because they believe that they can. And when you have that grit, that thing that you cannot teach, it gives you an extra edge. So that's what I believe is So I'm going to ask you ladies both this because fan support's important. We've got a lot of fans who are here and who are in Columbus. Was there a moment in your career where you remember like fan interaction or maybe, you know, something that happened with ODU or in WNBA where you said, wow, people really love this and the fans are catching on and the game is, is growing? Yeah. I remember when I played in Sacramento, uh, we were having at the mall, we were at the mall doing an autograph session and this lady came up to me, hands me a Sharpie and she asked me to sign her leg. And I was like, are you sure this is a Sharpie? She was like, no, no, yeah, I have a, actually a tattoo appointment. So after you sign it, I'm going to get it tattooed. And I was like, are you serious? Wow. Do you want to like think about wow. this again? So yeah, that's pretty much the story that I have that I'm like, we have some pretty dope fans. Wow. I love that. No tattoos for me, but go ahead. That's great. I've had a lot of great experience in the W, but the most impactful time I've had was when I played in Spain. I played in Salamanca with the Maya, and we literally had over 200 people would attend our practices. 
And I was like, what, what y'all doing in here? And we went on to win the, the tournament. We won the championship. But the support from that city was absolutely incredible. Any restaurant I walked into... Free food. Free food. Right. And I love to eat. So like, Free hamon. <laughs> Go get some Uncle food. Uh-huh. So yeah. it was really important. And it's really important when you guys come out and support your teams. Trust. They see you. They appreciate you. And thank you guys for your support. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So another thing I, I wanted to ask, and I, this is for you, Tisha. We're seeing a, it seems like a uptick in international players, right? But watching you and Mary for me it was it was normal because I mean I was from Virginia I told her and Mary Andrade's in here as well if y'all don't remember this one over here from her ODU days like she made me want to play because she was so passionate like when she started crying I wanted to cry like (laughs) that's how into it I was so I fell in love with this team because I was from Virginia but we see this uptick like I was just with Oregon and Kelly Graves has a ton of international players Kazorla and you know, they have gold medals and what is it, what, why are we seeing more of that? And what are some of the challenges for a player coming from overseas to play college basketball here in the States? Well, I think we're seeing more of that because I think colleges realize that the top American kids go to the top schools, the Yukon, the Tennessee, the Texas, the Notre Dame. So sometimes it's hard for them to compete and to stay at the high level. So they were like, okay, let me try this overseas thing. There's a lot of diamonds in the rough over there and to try to bring them over here. Um, and the kids are taking a chance because to start professional over there, you really don't make a lot of money. So I read it. I always say, you know, go get your education, uh, go get better. I know when I was 16, you know, 14, 15, 16, I wanted to come here because this is the, the country where basketball was born. And I know the best coaches are here and I wanted to be the best player that I could be. So this is the place to, to get better. Um, and that's why a lot of kids are coming here and they're being successful because they, they're having an opportunity, uh, to, to play at the, at the highest level. And when you combine so many good players together, then you have a team like Oregon that is put on a big stage and they are performing. And like you said, it's like the UNICEF. I mean, they like from everywhere. Uh, but it's amazing, and I love to watch them play, just the different flavors from different countries. And Sabrina, don't forget, she's American, but she she really is Romania. from Romania. Yes. So she has, you know, half of her, it's not American, you know, so she also claims that she's foreign. So, Rusha, you're doing something fun now. Congratulations, Rusha actually has joined Bill Lambeer's staff and is working with the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, you're doing something very special for players. Talk about what you're doing and why it's important work. I actually was brought into the ACES to work with the organization in player programs and franchise development. Uh, Bill and MGM is committed to making sure the women leverage their brands both on and off the court. And having retired and been ahead of the Retired Players Association, the work that I've done thus far is going to help me put them in a better position. So figuring out what it is they want to do after the game and teach them how to build these relationships now so that they can leverage so when the time to transition, they can move smoothly into it. Yeah, and what Rusha's doing, and Tisha's an agent, so she helps a lot of players through transition as well, not just in transitioning to playing professionally, but also what they want to do in their lives. But what a lot of people don't realize is that women's basketball, the players go overseas. So once they join the WNBA, they're playing in WNBA for about four or five months, and then the other time of the year, they're going to play internationally. So that is, I mean, imagine if you were away from your family and everything you were familiar with for seven months out of a year, right? So that's quite a commitment, but you need people that can help you and have been there, done that. You played how many different countries? 
Um, I played seven in the WNBA and ten internationally. Okay, what, what countries did you play in? Spain, France, Italy, Greece, and Korea. Oh, I would love to travel with you. Just jump wonderful. in your bag. It was did wonderful. you play overseas as well, T? Oh, yes. Everywhere. Russia, Latvia, Czech Republic, Turkey, France, Italy. I mean, everywhere. Well, that's why they're so dynamic now as women, right? Because they have all this international experience I wish I had. All right, so we're going to take one more question. Tarika said I got time for one last question. Tarika did not say that. You see how she do? But this I is know. a regular she actually, occurrence with she her. She actually told me to wrap up, but I'm going to take one more question because I, I like to break the rules. One question. Anybody? Yes. Cleveland in the building. Hey, Risha. I'm a big Hi. Rockers fan. Yay. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. What's it going to take for us to get our WNBA team back in Cleveland? Okay, so let's have this conversation. I was just in Cleveland three weeks ago, and we literally, everywhere I went, people asked that question. So we got to set up a meeting with the, okay, you got to get you a group together. I'm going to give you my information, and we got to see if they'll bring it back. It's been an interest, so people are really interested in it. So I think if we can put something together and get the fan base and then approach them, maybe we can get them to see it. And maybe we can get LeBron on our team, too. So maybe that will happen. Yeah. Not to play, but on our no, side as in bringing the team. What's LeBron's daughter's as name? As a sponsor. Um, uh, what's her name? Zuri. 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 Now that Zuri. girl's going to be a baller. Baby Z. Yeah. Her Baby feet are already, I mean, she. you could tell yeah, she's, she's going to be. A big youngin. Yes. Now, last question. Who's going to win? Who you pick to win it all? Why you make that face, Rusha? I can't foresee UConn losing two, two years in a row. Okay. UConn? I second that. All right, ladies. Thank you for your time. Thanks for Thank having you. Thank you. Thank you. Fans, we are turning the page and going extra WNBA here on the coaching side. I'm not even going to tell you who our guests are because I want to know if you know. Raise your hand if you know who I've got on stage with me. I'd look at this Bowling Green. I know. Look, what we got over here? Get, let's get to Bowling Green over here. Uh, Kurt Miller's from Bowling Green. He was our former coach. That's right. Okay, okay. We have Coach Kurt Miller up here with us, head coach of the Connecticut Sun now, but we knew Bowling Green would be in the building. Who's this to my immediate left? Oh, y'all better come with it, or I'm going to be really. Who here is from Ohio? I don't know where she coached before. Then you should know this woman right here. Okay, what we got? Amber Sox from Chicago Sky. All right. Yes. yes, we have Amber Socks in the building. Now, I actually want to start with your story because she has had an interesting journey. It's almost like when she won the WNBA championship with the Sparks, everybody was like, who is this woman? Let me see. She's been around the game. So tell us your background. I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and played high school at Pickerington High School seven times, <laughs> state champions for Ohio. My mom actually worked with Brian Agler with the Columbus Quest. So I knew Brian Agler with the Quest and Katie Smith and I played against each other in high school. We go way back. Ohio roots. Kurt has Ohio roots too. And coached at Xavier University, played at University of Cincinnati, and then just navigated my way through coaching uh, first job out of college was at Notre Dame. Second job out of college was with Pat Summit at Tennessee. Holly Warwick, Mickey DeMoss, Al Brown, Nikki Caldwell. Found my way to Arizona, being a wonderful mom. I have two boys over there, and then coaching on the club circuit. And then 
into the pros with LA and then now Chicago. Had an awesome year working with Kurt in Los Angeles. We Incredible. had a lot of fun. Incredible year working together. And in these LA. guys are like BFFs. Like I complete BFFs. I asked Amber for a picture of them together. I thought she was gonna send me like, you know, them shaking hands at a game. They're at the beach. Like the two of them, you know, like, hey, when did you meet Amber and how did this friendship develop, Kurt? Well, we knew Amber because of, she was a great player from Pickerington here in the Columbus area. But uh, obviously, young assistants in the collegiate game growing up. Um, she worked for a really good friend of mine in, in Kevin McGuff and, and known her for a long time. So, uh, But the opportunity to work together in L.A. was special. And we uh, were fantastic assistants together. Probably gave Brian some gray hairs that year. Um, but obviously they got rid of me and then won the championship. They won it right after, after you so, helped them to get there. Right. Got rid of the dead weight. They, they, right. they, they got rid of the, <laughs> yeah, the dead weight and they figured out how to win. You know, I actually want to ask a question about that because we have a lot of coaches that listen to our podcast, right? And Candace Parker is an incredible player. Um, but we always get the question, how do you coach a player that it is as good and as, as smart basketball IQ wise as a Candace Parker you know both of you guys have worked in that space because we have coaches that you know they may get the best player um, you know all American or whatever but it's figuring out how to coach them start with Candace and any advice you would have with how do you get the best out of players well first off I, and I think Amber will say the same thing there was a maturity about Candace when we got to LA and you heard about some of the early years in the WNBA with Candace, but she was easy and fantastic to coach. And she came back late, joined us late that first season we were together. Uh, and all she wanted to do is uh, realize that you knew the game. And so once she realized that Amber and I knew the game and could talk the game with her, she was really receptive of anything that we could give her the day in and day out grind of working with her to get better. And Candace was one of the easiest players I've ever coached and obviously one of the most talented. So, um, you know, you heard some that she might challenge you and she was absolutely fantastic to work with and uh, very blessed. And we remain very close. It, Candace is unbelievably basketball smart. Basketball IQ is off the charts. So if you talk basketball with her, you really win her over. So I know Amber and I really enjoyed working with Candace. How about, uh, give us the college perspective. I mean, you, you coached. Now I was trying to figure out, were you there when April Phillips and Special Jennings were at Xavier? Those were my favorites. Like I, I love that group. Amber, obviously. But from a college standpoint, what have you seen in terms of getting the most out of players? How do you develop that? I would say coaching is extremely parallel to teaching and identifying that child in the classroom who may be doodling, not because they're disinterested in the work, but because they already know the answers and they want to be intellectually challenged. And so many athletes, similar to Candace Parker, want to be intellectually challenged, stimulated, and appreciated. And there are special players that you run across who just have that level that they want to take it to that's outside of their physicality and outside of their skill on the court, but they really want to be cerebral. I would liken on Chicago Sky roster, Allie Quigley to that. She's a very cerebral player who wants to study 
the game. Now, the team doesn't appreciate because sometimes film might go long because me and Allie will just keep going back and forth on the film. But you have to identify that for some. And for, like, Stephanie Dolson or uh, Elena Beard on L.A., they enjoy having fun. And when you can find ways to integrate that fun aspect for them, well, now you're reaching them on a different level. Another thing that I've I've seen, because I try to stay in touch with college coaches, and um, obviously there are a lot here with the WBCA convention, developing culture. We have the reigning WNBA coach of the year. Amber's hoping to be coach of the year this season. Uh, but, but you've both been in situations with programs that where you had to figure out, okay, what are we going to be? What are, What is going to be our thing? How do you do that? How do you start that process both on and off the court with figuring out what works for you? Yeah, first and foremost, my whole coaching career has been about culture. And I believe in women's basketball, you got to win in the locker room first. So we tried to build a championship culture in the locker room to build our team. And then if we build a championship culture in the locker room first, maybe you can translate and win a championship on the court. And so at Connecticut, where we were in rebuild mode when we got there, we really needed to build the culture in the locker room first. And so we made some moves. We created the chemistry and the family environment that even at the pro level translates uh, you know, Amber and I both spent years and years and years in the college game, but we learned right away that chemistry, locker room cohesiveness, a together unit is very, very important in women's basketball at the professional level also. And so it was very important that we built that culture in the locker room in Connecticut. I think it's why we overachieved last year. It's why we had the success that we had and we got the accolades that we did wasn't always the win-loss, but everybody around the league saw how together the team became. And that was with our face of the franchise and Chinea Gumake out all year. But we came together and we're a really young, talented, fun group. Uh, and it really translates on and off the court. You can tell they enjoy playing together. Yeah, that was what was most impressive about your run is you take a number one pick out of there and you got the most out of other of your players on the roster. Um, culture, what about you? What's, what have you seen that's successful in building culture? A lot of people use the word identity a lot and that's a big buzzword. And for what I saw for whether it was Kevin McGuff and what we had to do at Xavier coming in to build or when we were with Pat Summit and transitioning to different teams and the different faces of the Lady Vols or with Brian Agler going into Los Angeles or myself going into Chicago, coming in and saying this is going to be our identity doesn't always work. But getting a pulse for the team that's there and coaching the players you have and then saying, okay, with this group, what is our best identity going to be? How can we maximize this group, not the two years or three years down the line team, but this team. Now, that said, you still have to always start with the end in sight and have an idea of the path and the course that you want to take and build upon that knowing that it leads to your end goal. Almost like we saw Muffin McGraw do, right? I mean, she had to step back and say, well, these are all the healthy players I have, so what can we do? How can we still make this work, which has been an amazing run? I have another question for you, because I believe you get into basketball analytics some, right? You do are a numbers person. Yeah. And that's a big thing in basketball. We're hearing all about analytics and how it's helping our game, um, advanced statistics. 
Um, how has that influenced your career? It helps scouting reports for me. Um, you know, you go talking about, as Kurt mentioned, about players and what certain players like. Candace Parker was another numbers person. So being a numbers person myself, that was a common area where we would look at opponents numbers-wise. There are certain elements of the game that you have to coach by intuition and instinct yet knowing the percentages playing the percentages knowing tendencies habits um most likely ato calls you know most likely times going left times going right helps you be a little bit prepared and as um, coach schaefer vic schaefer from mississippi state just mentioned coaching against the ghost what a team is likely or unlikely to do and knowing those analytics, knowing the numbers, helps you prepare just a tad for not only the intuition of the game, but also the ghost of what is the opponent going to throw at you. Yeah, I love that. Um, Doug Bruno, who I cover a lot, he is all into the numbers. He talks about tough twos and the mid-range shots and all of, all of those different things. And I'm just... I think it's, is it her hoop stats that's doing all the advanced analytics now? It's a, it's a, it's a program that's doing advanced stats for women's basketball. They've been doing an outstanding job. Now, Kurt, something you've been very passionate in talking about, and I want to get your opinion on this, is the mid-majors, or so they call them, right? So we all watched what happened with Central Michigan. Well, first, what happened with your teams at Bowling Green, but the MAC attack this year, MAC action. Um, there you go. Hashtag MAC action. There you go. I see you with your, okay. So Central Michigan, Buffalo. There's this stigma. So there's two sides of it. Sometimes mid-majors don't want to be called mid-majors because they want to come, they want to be in there with everyone else. But the truth is there's a reason why they're mid-majors, right? Whether it's resources or size or whatever it is. How should we be interpreting what we saw this year? What does that mean for the game and, um, how challenging is it to get a mid-major in the last 16 best teams in the country? Well, first, fantastic, you know, and really proud of uh, two friends and all those years I spent, 11 years in the MAC. So I was sitting there from afar really cheering for the MAC. And what Sue and Felicia were able to do at Central and, and Buffalo was fantastic. B, our BG team back in 2007 was the only other MAC team to ever advance to the Sweet 16. So... Uh, really exciting for the Mac, but Loyola, Loyola Chicago and the men, it's really, yes. really fun. But back in the day, there's very little separation between the players being recruited in this region of the country, um, outside of the Big Ten to the Mac. They might be an inch shorter, uh, a step slower. You know, something somewhere in a recruiting analyst said, that they're a mid-major player or there's a reason they're not going to Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State. And it might be just a step slow, a inch too short, but they can really, really play. And, uh, you know, getting over that stigma. And so when you see the successful mid-majors around the country, and some coaches are less excited about calling themselves mid-majors, but you get a lot of kids with chips on their shoulders and a lot to prove. And, hey, I wasn't recruited by Ohio State. I wasn't recruited by... Michigan, Michigan State, and they have a lot to prove, but they're tremendous players, they're tremendous basketball IQs, and you saw a toughness 
in that Central Michigan team, that Buffalo team that was able to beat teams with a higher profile name. But I think it's great for our game. It shows that our game is growing, the more and more mid-majors that can make a run. And let's face it, Florida Gulf Coast and other mid-majors clearly could have been a Sweet 16 team also. So really excited for the game. It's my pedigree. It's my background. So I'm always picking the underdogs. And while it's fun that all four number one seeds are here this weekend, I'm always going to be you know, a fan for the underdog and especially those mid-majors out there. Yeah, I think we all love the underdog story. And I remember Sue Guevara saying in her locker room that because everyone loves the underdog, everyone's cheering for us. You know, like she told them, we've got millions of fans out there that love the Cinderella. And I thought that was a great moment because it's true. And we're seeing that it seems like happen more in the women's game than we used to. I mean, we've never had two Mac teams in the Sweet 16. You know, we've had one. But I just thought that it was a great story uh, this season to see what those coaches had done. Great story. And the stories that will continue in those communities for years and years are unbelievable. When we returned from Michigan State where we won that night, our players went out. And the coaches, you know, got together and celebrate. Those were some special moments that the community um, really, really embraced. And those are nights of those lives that those young women are never going to forget. And uh, we just had our reunion, 10-year and 11-year anniversaries of that Sweet 16 team. And they still feel like it was just yesterday. So those two communities will remember that forever. So I want to go to the audience really quickly and ask you guys about WNBA draft picks. Now, if you were pitching to these coaches with their picks coming up, tell me who you think they should select and why. Take take where they are in the pickings out of it and just give us your who you think and why. Come on, you got to stand up and you got to tell us where you're from and. Um, and I'm Kate Renwick. I'm from Canada. So I know Kinetic Sun are projected to pick Kia Nurse. So that's who I'm hoping that they take. Why Kia? You got to please your case here. Well, she's a Canadian. She plays for our Canadian Olympic team. That's a good team, reason. And yeah, I'm a big fan of hers. So that's, that's who I'm hoping they take. Yeah. And we do know the side story. And if you don't, I need to tell you. I coached Kia's older sister who transferred from Oregon to Bowling Green. But even more importantly, I coached her aunt at Syracuse back in the day, who's married to Donovan McNabb. So I got a lot of nurse connections. Okay. I'm not giving any hints, but I got a lot of nurse connections. We like that. Okay, Kia Nurse. Who else you got out here? Any other any other WNBA draft takers? Cleveland has been all over it. What, who do you have? I know you should be up here. Who do you who you have? I have a young lady from Columbus named Kelsey Mitchell who will break your ankles and then step back and hit the three, and who I've never seen anybody be as aggressive and consistently attack. No stopping. And then attack, and then back off, and then score. Tell me why you wouldn't pick her as your point guard. That was pretty good. Not only okay. could she answer it, she flipped it and put it on the coaches, right? Now, is, is, is there a name for that sales tactic? Because that was Right, good. that was pretty good. So... That, that, she brings up an interesting standpoint, and whoever wants to answer this, please do. Kelsey Mitchell, we're in Columbus. She was just up here. Um, one or two spot. Where do you where do you see her playing in the WNBA? I think she's talented enough to play both positions, um, especially as the game continues to evolve and layers players are less constricted 
to fulfilling one particular role. And as the transition game picks up and as, you know, a lot of flow game patterns really provide room for multiple, you know, ball handlers on the court, multiple players initiating the offense. I think she has room at, at either one or two guard spot. So this brings me to an interesting question. Uh, Tariqa's telling me I got to wrap. I got, do you see all these questions I have right here? I'm sorry. Okay. That just means they have to come back Saturday. You know what? Okay, but let me get to this question because this is this is a big one. We're going to have you guys back on. Actually, we're starting um, a session in Around the Rim called The Business of Basketball. So we're going to have head coaches come on the show during the college season, and we usually do during WBA. But to talk about the business side, like what are they doing right now? What have they been doing in the off season? So we're excited to have Kurt, Brian Agler, obviously Amber will be on as well. We'll have various coaches just educating the fans on that aspect because that's what we want to do. But – I have a challenge for both of you right now. Take the veil off of this thing that we call Connecticut Huskies basketball. Tell us why. Why are they so good? Now, there's some. There's a couple things you can't say, okay? You can't say that they get the best players, even though they do. We know they get great recruits, but that's not on the table, okay? You can't say because Gino has the best hair. That's off the table, Okay? You can't say because Chris Daly is the best-dressed assistant in the league. That's off the table as well in the country. But seriously, from a basketball standpoint, if each of you could share with the audience what is in the UConn magic. They have outstanding timing. The timing by which they execute actions, cuts, reads, passes. They are in complete sync with each other. Their timing is impeccable. And their spacing goes hand in hand with that. They're never overcrowded. They've spaced themselves in particular points on the court, which strategically manipulates the spacing of the defense. And it allows certain lanes and driving opportunities. And then on the third level with that is their passing. When you watch shooters catch passes with the Huskies, The shooters aren't catching passes that are thrown away. The passes are hitting shooters right in their shooting pocket, which is enabling the shooters to step in and catch and shoot. I love that. Okay. Kurt, what you got? Add a layer, a few layers. Amber was all (laughs) tactician. Can you tell the tactician in her? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm just going to use a word that Gino is masterful at putting a team together and getting them to play unselfishly. Yeah. It is amazing the amount of talent that they collect, but to get the talent to play unselfishly and together and the culture that they created way back when that's passed down from player to player that he no longer has to coach. He no longer has to coach that. The upperclassmen teach it to the underclassmen. There's a way, the Connecticut way. There's a way of doing things. Uh, but how he puts together teams, he's masterful. But the unselfishness year in and year out of that team and their willingness to pass the ball and share the ball and they're bigger than one individual person year in and year out even with the Dianas and the Mayas and the great individual players they've had the way they play together is is unmatched in our game and has been unmatched in our game for a long long time all right you heard it here Give a round of applause for Amber and Kurt. Thank you. Thank you. No, wait, wait, wait. One Get more Amber thing. to trade one of her picks. 
I think it's selfish. I know. We She's didn't got even, three and four. I didn't, she we should didn't give even one get up. to get in into that part of it because I wanted to take a deep dive and Tarika's telling me I got to go. I know. She's telling me I absolutely got to go. But thank you and thank you for your time. A round you. of applause again for our coaches. Thank you, LaChina. And Tarika's kicking me out now. I am. I am. It's been a great show, though. It has. Don't forget, hashtag around the rim on Twitter. I am at LaChina Robinson. Tarika's at she knows sports underscore. And um, we'll be Tell- back here Saturday. We're here Saturday at 1230. So tell your friends. So, yeah, come back and join us. Thank you, guys.